0: Happy and Johnzie it's just so wonderful to see you both. Uh, great to have you here. It's
1: wonderful to see you too, Phil, and everyone there.
0: Thanks for your visits to Northern Hills. And I want you to know that we've been praying for you, praying for your the ministry there in eastern India. And what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to just share a, a little bit of a geographic orientation for us and for those that will be listening to the interview as well. Uh, John Z and Happy, you make sure that uh, if I make any mistakes in this, as far as the pronunciations, uh, you you make the corrections that are needed. All right?
1: Sure. Yeah. Sounds good.
0: For everyone here, uh, we're looking at the great continent of Asia. Yesterday we looked at Japan, but today we're going to be looking at this great country of India. And let me move our pictures off just a bit. <clears throat> And uh, it's an area of India that uh, we perhaps are not all that familiar with. We have the Great Rhombus or Triangle of India here, but uh, Happy Happy Anjansi... Oh, first of all, I want to make sure we acknowledge Kerala, uh, the home state of many of the folks here at the chapel. And for Chris Thanh Nguyen, we want to make sure we recognize Burma and Myanmar as well. But the area that we're looking at today is this eastern portion of India. We often even don't think of it as connected to India, but it is by a little political bridge here. And the area of this particular spot in India is right here. Now, is the state Tripura?
2: It's Tripura.
0: Tripura. All right, thank you. Tripura. Tripura and right here with a map supplied by Z, we have Trinity Residential School right here in this area of Tripura. So that's what we're that's what we're talking about today and the place that we're talking about.
2: Yeah, that's all that's all great that's correct. Um, we have a school and a boarding facility. Uh, so the name of our boarding facility is Trinity Residential and the name of our our new school name is Living Hope Academy.
0: Very good. Thanks for giving us that information. The first question I had for you, we've we've followed uh, many of your notes and notices. We've posted your pictures. We've enjoyed seeing the children at the school so very much and uh, the building program that you've uh, developed there at the school. So tell us, tell us about uh, the situation as far as the uh, children that are at school and the residency you have at, uh, at the school as well.
1: Sure. Um, I'll, I'll first talk about the school. Um, I think the children are so excited to have a proper school building as of March last year. Um, we opened the first floor and we had grades, um, one to seven, um, at the school, at the new school building. Um, the kindergartens, uh, were still at the top at the hostel with us. And, um, this year we are completing the second floor. And so everybody will be together at the new school building, um, starting in April. Um, but uh, so we have about 170 children that will be coming to school. Um, so that's a mix of children that live with us full time as well as um, the day school kids that walk to school uh, from nearby villages. Um, Regarding the hostel, um, which is what Indians call it, um, it's called the boarding facility for Americans um, but we have seen the most impact and the reach of the gospel um, at the hostel and so uh, this year we just completed an academic year as of last, a few days ago and uh, we had 78 children living with us. And um, we had many professions of Christ um, this year, about I think seven or eight have accepted Jesus um, and uh, want to be baptized. uh, But for uh, reasons regarding just, um, they're coming from Hindu animistic backgrounds and their parents have asked them to wait till they're 18, um, uh, before they make that decision. But, um, they have accepted Jesus and are excited to, to worship the Lord. So, um, we've seen such an impact because they live with us. We teach them the Bible every day. We get to do devotions with them. Um, uh, you know, just being on campus, um, throughout the year has been, um, a, a very, has been very impactful for the children
0: really wonderful just it's so marvelous to hear you talk about it happy and to hear the news of children receiving the lord jesus now in the hostile situation uh, as they're living there are there adults that are living there with them as well besides yourselves
2: yes we have about uh, seven staff members and um Three of them kind of take care of the kids, they stay in the, the kids' rooms, uh, and then the others help with cooking and cleaning and, and uh, upkeep in the facility.
1: Um, starting in April, Phil, actually we have, we just started missions and there will be 93 moving in as of April, so it is going to be a full house.
0: 93? Yes. Wow. That, that leads to the next question, and that is you've had a building program, an expansion program there. Tell us about that, would you please?
2: Yeah, sure. So um, starting in uh, about the middle of 2020, we wanted to build a proper school building because before that um, it was uh, in a very small building and the school and the hostel were together. And so uh, we started the project to build um, the first floor of, of a new school building, which is around 7,000 square feet. And it has, um, I think, seven or eight classrooms and a staff room and an office. And so that was completed last um, February, March. And um, since then, uh, we started the school year last year and, and used the first floor. And then since then, we've been uh, building the second floor out um, and uh, adding a few more classrooms. So the project is not fully done yet. Um, A portion of the second floor is going to be worked on uh, perhaps uh, later on this year. And then we have plans to do something with the the floor above that, but we haven't um, finalized that yet. So those are that's been the main project for the last um, two three years and uh, we're really happy like happy said that um, you know the kids are excited to have a really nice school building and uh, because it's in a very rural area and so it's kind of sticks out because you don't see things like this uh, anywhere around our area so the kids are really proud of it and uh, even the teaching staff and and all of us so we appreciate that um, so in addition to that we're also making some plans um, thinking about how we can expand the hostel and um, uh, the first thing that we want to do is, is start a, a place for uh, some of our hostel staff and also for volunteers and visitors to be able to to stay for an extended period um, so we're kind of um, thinking about how to to, to make that building um, and then, As the years go out, maybe two or three years, we're planning to build a new uh, building for the hostel students and maybe for the boys, because the boys and the girls are separate. So um, ever since we've been here, it's been kind of, uh, you know, one project after another. Um, And so I think in the next few years, that'll kind of continue like that.
1: We're in a long season of building.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It sounds wonderful. Now, I'm really
0: concerned. You talked about a hostel staff and hostel students. Sounds kind of violent there at your school. No, no, no. <laughs> just, just kidding.
1: <laughs> now, <We're> severely outnumbered.
0: <laughs> now, tell us about, I know this is a tender point in your heart, how did you all get started? Uh, is your background education for the two of you? No. <laughs>
2: That
1: no <laughs> I yeah. really, God has a sense of humor about that. <laughs> it's
0: just it's just amazing. I, I know the two of you went out to be of help. All of a sudden you came into this leadership position there at the school and at the uh with the dormitories and the children. And I know that uh I want you to have a chance, John Z. and Happy, to bear testimony about how the Lord led you into the work. Could you give just a, a a minute or two about that,
2: please? Yeah, sure. Um, actually, when we got married, we were um, both, uh, we kind of, we definitely didn't want to be missionaries, but we had a heart for the mission work and things like that. We had both been on um, mission trips to different places around the world, you know, when we were younger and things like that. So um, after we got married, we just wanted to take uh some time off from our jobs and happy's from toronto and i was living in colorado at that time and we didn't really know where we wanted to settle down so we took some time to just travel and part of that travel uh during that travel time we we came to india and we spent some time with people that were working in north india and northeast india so we visited a number of different places um in the mission field and um during that time we had met somebody that was working in Tripura, and um Through the years, we never really kept in contact that much. But from time to time, we would get some updates about the work that family was doing. And um, in 2015 or so, uh, we heard about the school that was being started. um, and We
1: kind of knew that we always wanted to work with children, I think. Um, And so we just decided um, to, I guess, to go and see, I guess, at that point. Right. To go and see. the the ministry there since we were um, in contact with them.
2: And it also kind of, um, you know, God was working in us at that time and we were um, kind of tired of uh, the, the routine of life and in, in the States and we both wanted something different. um, And so uh just a couple of just a few things working together and, and we had a chance to come and travel and visit this place and um after that we we decided to make a commitment to come and, and work and help in the in the school and the hostel.
1: We we certainly felt inadequate. We both don't speak the Indian languages. We still don't. It's been six years, and we still haven't learned it. Um, and he's in IT. I'm, I went to law school, worked in real estate law. And so none of our education background makes sense either in terms of, you know, being a principal or teacher and, you know, taking care of a hostel or a boarding facility. But I truly believe that God just called us to be there and that he would take care of the rest. Um, I, I really do feel like he has done that and proven that.
0: Thanks for sharing that with us. Now, you all are open to others coming out and helping with the ministry, are you not? A hundred percent.
1: We are, as, as I said, we have 93 living and we've got seven of us. Um, and most of the the staff that live with us, they're not um educated enough to be able to tutor the kids or as they get older, you know, help them with their homework and stuff like that. So it's really a lot of burden is on us, the spiritual burden, as well as um, education as well. Um, So we are always open to having volunteers. Uh, Last year, God did bless us with with three volunteers from Canada who stayed for about one to three months. Um, So we are praying, always praying for that, for help.
0: We'll join you in prayer about that, Happy. And Johnsy, just uh, I know it's your heart's desire that others would come out there and join you in, in the work. And so I want you to know that we'll be praying for that. In just a couple of minutes we have left, if you'd let us know some things that we can be praying about for you and for your family. And speaking of family, make sure you say hello to Ezra and Skyla for us. Uh, we miss not seeing them this morning. But
1: uh, we will. <laughs> I'm sure,
0: I'm sure yeah. I'd be amazed at how big they are and uh, uh, just blessings upon them. So. Uh, tell us some prayer requests, would you
2: please? Well, um definitely the topic we were just talking about, um having uh volunteers and the right people to come and, and partner with us in the ministry here. So that's uh, probably our our biggest um uh, prayer request, um, like overall. Um, and then, you know, day to day, you know, we're, we're burdened with a lot of different things. And so managing and taking care of all of those things is, is, um, you know, it can be tiring definitely and, and a strain on us. So, um, and there's, like we said, you know, we don't know the language and things like that. So there's a lot of things that we have to kind of adapt to. Um, and, uh, just having the wisdom to make decisions about things
1: um yeah in terms of even just you know we're not teachers and so teaching our training our teachers to be good teachers that's also a big struggle for us um and um just the, with the kids in hostel I and mean, they range from age 5 to about 14 years that live with us and to constantly meet all of their emotional needs as well as the spiritual as well as you know um just just their interactions with each other then their um, it's just a, a wide variety of needs and you feel like, um, you can't give each child, um, the con, the love that they, you know, deserve, I guess. So we feel pulled in so many directions and we're often wearing so many hats. Um, so just a prayer for God to sustain us, um, and um, keep us strengthened, you know.
2: And one, one thing from a spiritual perspective, like Kathy said, there's been kids that have shared their, you know, their testimonies with us and their interest in becoming uh, a believer. And um, even last year, we had a number of boys in the, in our oldest class accept Christ and get baptized. And so we really have this feeling and sense that we want to be more intentional about um, discipling them. Um but, uh, again, it, because of all of the different things that we have to take care of, we haven't, um, put much emphasis on that. So this, this new school year, we want to do that. We want to take time to be, um, you know, teaching and talking with the kids about, uh, the word of God and, and, um, so that they can understand it better. So, um, prayer in terms of, you know, being ready for that, being equipped to do that.
0: Yeah. We sure will be praying. Now, I want you to be assured after the, Video is finished. We'll have prayer for you here at our missionary weekend at the chapel. And we just mm-hmm. love getting your posts. And uh, on Wednesday evenings, on alternate Wednesday evenings, we emphasize missions and your pictures and your information. That's a part of our uh, prayer time there at the chapel. So please keep it coming. Oh, dear, dear Johnzie and Happy, I, I could just scoop you up and hug you both uh, if it weren't so far away. Yeah, just wonderful <laughs> to see you. And you look so beautiful, so wonderful. Uh, The Lord has blessed you. Thank you you so so much.
1: Thank you for the support. Yes, we appreciate it so much from everyone there. Um, We couldn't do it without all of you supporting us.
0: Johnsy, you've lost your Texan accent. What a bummer. (laughs) God bless you both. We'll be praying. Okay,
3: take
1: care. Thank you. All right, thank you. Bye.
0: Bye Bye-bye. I would like to have uh, some time of Prayer for Johnzie
3: and Happy. Father, well, we do bring the Matthews family to you this evening. Thank you for the interview that Phil's been able to share. Thank you for them sharing from their heart and for specifically the needs that were mentioned, Lord, and what Phil has mentioned in summary. We do pray for this young family, for Johnzie, for Happy, for Ezra, and Skyla, and for all of the staff there at the s- school and the hostel. And Uh, it seems like in in many ways it's grown very rapidly and uh, and, uh, and they really have to pour themselves day and night into the situation so we do pray for your grace for your strength for your energy and do pray for the specific requests that they have for volunteers and others to come alongside and help be with them so we just commit that to you that you provide work from your abundant resources will provide the needs that are there. Pray for them physically, that you will give them strength and keep them healthy and safe. Pray for the completion of this second floor of uh, the school and for your help in that. And just uh, pray for the whole family. God, lift them up to you. Thank you that you are a wonder-working God. And so we pray for your continued hand of blessing on this school, on the Trinity Residential and the Living Hope Academy. For your blessing in Jesus' precious name.
4: Father, we thank you for how you're working in different parts of this world. And we bring this dear couple to you, support and strengthen and encourage them. Oh Lord, keep them from burnout as they pour out their hearts and lives into Mm -hmm. these young children you are able to sustain to lift up on eagles' wings. And Lord, which is Christ specifically for all the students of the school. What a wonderful opportunity to reach them not only with education but also with your word. You can use those students for the honor of your name in the years to come if Christ has not returned. Just pray for the many financial needs, all this building work they're involved in and just for the impact in that area may it just lift up on high the name of the Lord Jesus. We commit them to you in the precious name of our Savior who is the Lord of all. Amen.
5: Amen. Father in heaven, as we continue to pray for this work there in that corner of India, we know that in other portions of India there's persecution hmm. has been building and is becoming severe some some parts of that country and and, uh, we know that our enemy would like nothing better than to see this infrastructure these programs developed and then to see them destroyed by political Mm -hmm. means or or other means just pray your protection on this work in a way even beyond the needs uh, have already been articulated and spoken of in, in the immediate campus area there. That, that you would preserve this work. This is you've done in other parts of the world. It just it's amazing how countries that are falling apart, your your ministry work that has developed and, and built just wonderful physical infrastructure has been preserved, it hasn't been wrong it hasn't been attacked, hasn't been stolen away, mm-hmm. and it continues to uh, bless those around and be a, a testimony to your power and your name, and we just pray that that would be true here with mm-hmm. this new, relatively new school that has begun, to ask this in Jesus' name, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Father, just the graciousness of John Z. and Heavy. they didn't mention a word of it. There is opposition where they are. They didn't mention a word about the weather events that they have had there in that area. Dear Lord, at times the, the place is just reduced to complete mud and flooding. And so, Lord, we just pray for and Happy with the circumstantial situation that they have, but then the spiritual opposition that would be against them. Lord, we just commit them to you for your care. Ring them about, Lord, with your angelic care and your angelic protection. Give them strength. Give them drive to keep on going. But then, Lord, I just pray for relief. Relief for them. Uh, We pray for the Indian community in particular, that hearts and minds would be moved to to join them. Just like the Marcies, Lord. The Marcies for years, asked for uh, some to join them. And here, Lord, you've showered them with the blessing of two new couples to join them there in their work. I would pray that that would happen with the uh, with the Matthews, that they would have others come to join them and join them permanently. Those that have training to be able to train those that are there. Lord, we, we just, they have so many needs. You are able. You have power. You have all of the resources, Lord. So we bring uh, Johnsy and Happy to you. Their two dear children. Commit the work of that school. Uh, they're commencing their Lord's Day now, Father. And so we... Just pray a a wonderful Lord's Day for them there in that part of India. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Tim, we sure have enjoyed your ministry from last night. Look forward to tonight's ministry as well. God bless you, brother.
4: If you haven't heard the expression we often say in the West, you have all the clocks. In Africa, we have all the time. Uh, but I'll try and keep to the Western system tonight and just thank you so much for being here and trust that the time we share together will be a blessing to every one of us because whatever the world says, this book is alive and our God is alive and he is working and it doesn't matter what the opposition may be, he will build his church. And whatever satanic oppositional force may come up, it will not prevail. Dear child of God, you're not in the the minority. One person in God is a majority. When you're on God's side, the battle's already won. I have to admit I was torn tonight because I've really been enjoying Philippians and I was torn to carry on. Just in brief last night, how'd you get over Philippians 2? The one who made all things, he made himself of no reputation. And why did he do that? He did that for individuals like you and me. Yes, God so loved the world, Christ loved the church, but it's the son of God who loved me. And gave himself for me. And chapter 3 is so powerful coming out of this attitude, the mind of Christ. Paul says, there's nothing else I want in life, just one thing, that I may know him. And I trust that's our heart and desire because I was just wanting to share with Jeremiah 9, but I think God has a different message for tonight Where so many in our world today, they boast in their riches, in their power, in their wealth. That's the Western world right here in 2023. And God says, don't boast in anything of that. Boast in one thing alone that you truly know me. You see, the gray hairs tell a story, and life is short. And one day, before that God who made himself nothing for you and I, of no reputation, we will stand accountable to him for the 10 years, the 20 years, the 40 years of life that he gave us. And I feel a burden tonight to go back to the start of mission. And I want to read with you in Matthew 28. And then, God willing, we'll get briefly into the book of Acts if time allows. So, Matthew chapter 28, can I just quickly set the scene? Matthew is obviously the first book, the doorstep into the New Testament. This is fundamental. This is giving the transition out of the Old Testament into the New Testament. And the one Matthew presents is the fulfillment of the Old Testament scripture. He is the son of David, he is the son of Abraham. This is the one who's the ultimate sacrifice, who's the king of all kings. And yet he's the one, Emmanuel, who makes himself of no reputation. And we heard the verse earlier. He didn't come to be served. He came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Enjoy the gospel of Matthew. He has absolute authority right in the desert where Satan hits him at his lowest point 40 days and 40 nights without eating, fasting, and he conquers, and he alone can say, depart from me, Satan. This is Emmanuel. He has authority. We've heard already he has authority on the mountain. They were amazed at his teaching. He taught them as having authority, not like the scribes. Get on the mountain and listen to the teaching of Christ. It will transform our lives. That's what we need. And I can't take you through the whole of the gospel. His authority to teach, to heal over all creation, over the religious leaders, to build his church, to do so many things. And then finally at the cross, it is finished. He has absolute authority. And when we step into chapter 28, what is man's greatest enemy? It's death. And through Christ, oh death, where is your sting? Oh grave, where is your victory? Matthew 28, it's the first day of the week. It's a new beginning. It's a new era because Christ has come to fulfill everything of the Old Testament order. And the tomb is empty. If you want to say amen, you can say amen at that one. He has conquered death. And now that risen, exalted, glorified Christ, he has an appointment. And perhaps he has an appointment with someone here tonight. Matthew 28, verse 16. Then the 11 disciples said, one is missing. I won't go into that story. You know about it. God wants reality. He met with the eleven. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, the place where many of them were called from. That's interesting. I won't develop that. It's the place of their calling becomes the place of their commission. You see, God is interested in who you are, where you've come from, and he can transform you into whatever he desires. It's not reliant upon who you are or where you are from. God isn't interested so much in that. He's about molding you into something far greater, far better. All of us come from a rough background, but we have an incredible future because he entered into our rough background. He made himself of no reputation to make you and I something for his name for all eternity. Now he meets upon the mountain the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. This just wasn't just a chance place, a random mountain. Christ specifically said to these ladies at the empty tomb, tell my disciples, you will find me in Galilee on the mountain. You see, Christ doesn't hide himself. He makes himself available for you and me and he gives us the place of the appointment. But it's down to you and me if we're willing to climb the mountain to meet him. He's there. And if there's a need in our lives as believers today, it's to get out of the dirt and the filth and the clingings of this world to get on the mountain. And to get the right perspective upon life, because... I trust you've been there. I know in my work years ago, I'd love just to stop sometimes coming back from northern England and stop by this beautiful hillside or mountain, and you get out of that, and you just feel all the stress of work just roll away. And you just feel a little bit closer to the Lord. I don't know about you, but that's, that's what it does for me. And you can just pour out your heart to him and lift up your heart in praise and worship to him. Dear child of God, we're in a valley here in this world. It's broken. It's dark. It's painful. It's suffering. It's everything. But Christ has a mountain for you and me. To set our affections on things above. And just to breathe the air of heaven. He says, the place I want for you is to meet you on the mountain. Now, can I start right there this evening? Before there will ever be a commission or a mission, there must be a mountain experience. Before God can ever do anything with someone like Abraham It has to be the God of glory who appeared to our father Abraham. Abraham, why would you ever leave your home, your country? Sorry, you don't know where you're going. That's madness. He says, no, 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 no. Let me put things in the right perspective. Human wisdom and logic is madness. The God of glory has appeared to me. And that's why I'm going there. Oh, dear child of God, this world turns everything inside out, upside down. We need a right perception of who God is and of his glory. There's going to be nothing achieved for him in my feeble mortal life until I come to know the God of glory and see something of the glory of God. And it's that fundamental for every one of us. I won't get to take time to go through so many Old Testament examples, Moses, why are you going back to Egypt? There was a burning bush. And there was a God who says, I have heard, I have seen, I've come down to deliver and I'm going to send you back there. No, 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 Lord, not me. "Uh -uh. I will be your mouthpiece. You go. We mentioned Paul. Probably one of the biggest anti-Christian people in the whole of time persecuting the church and suddenly they're saying who is this man he's preaching in the name of jesus he had a mountain experience right there on the damascus road and he saw the glory of god don't limit the power of god today we can't put him in a box Yes, this world is blind. I'm sorry, I'm going to 2 Corinthians 4. The God of this world has blinded the minds of those who do not believe so that the light of the knowledge of the glory of God won't shine into their hearts. But it's the God who shone on creation's morning is shining his light today and he can still do it to people here in Cincinnati. And he gives us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But how can I share him with others if I haven't seen him on the mountain for myself? Can I just throw this one in very quickly? You see, Job was going through so many troubles and trials and questions, and we all have questions in life. If only I could ask God this. If only I could meet with him and question him on this, this, and this. And suddenly God says, is it chapter 38? Okay, Job, I'm here. Who is this questioning me without knowledge? Were you there when I did this, this, and this? You see, suddenly his perception changed because he met face to face with God. And the book finishes, he says, I repent in dust and ashes. I am nothing. I heard about you, but now I've seen you. And suddenly that changes life when we see him and know him for who he is. And these disciples, you don't need me to tell you. History tells us 11 of the 12 were martyred. How are they going to get through that? How are they going to say in chapter 5 at the end, verse 41, rejoicing because they were suffering for the name, counted worthy to suffer for the name of Christ, they saw him on the mountain. And they said, he is worthy of everything. There must be a mountain experience. And when they came face to face with him upon the mountain, what was the second point? You see, verse 17 tells us this, when they saw him, they worshipped him. By the way, I believe Sunday morning is a mountain experience. I won't go into that. When we come together to remember our Savior and Lord for one purpose, to see him and to worship him. But you see, when you come face to face with the Lord Jesus, there is only one response he's looking for. It's not my so-called wisdom and ability or wealth or knowledge or whatever it is. He wants my heart of total devotion to him for who he is. And dear child of God, worship is the heart's response to this incredible God in his greatness and glory or at times in his actions in our lives and you just bow, you don't even say anything with your lips. You're humble before him and you offer your heart of praise and adoration for who he is. Now you may say to me, but these disciples know him. Worship, by the way, is one of The facets of Matthew's gospel. He's worshipped in all different spheres. But you see, there's something in Christ that we can never fully sound the depth of. And he's greater and he's higher and he's more glorious. And the more you come to know him. And by the way, for all eternity, his servants shall worshipfully serve him, Revelation 22. And they shall see his face. I trust you enjoy worship because that's your eternal portion. You see, it's not what I have so-called to give to God he's interested in. It's not about me or who I am or what I can do. He wants my heart of total devotion to him. And you see, worship becomes the very heart of mission. When you realize the greatness of the God who in some incredible way has taken you or I as nothings in this world, to see him at work in our world. Isn't it interesting, the man who was born blind in John chapter 9, yes, he received his physical sight, but at the end of the chapter, he receives his spiritual sight. What is the first thing he did? He bowed in worship. And so often I thought in my youth... Well, I think I can work for God. I've got something to offer for God. We have nothing to offer God. In fact, can I just remind you of this? He doesn't need us. We are nothing. It's incredible by his grace he chooses to use us. Sometimes I think it's just to snub Satan in the face who trashed us, who tied us in his kingdom. And Christ says, look, the person you trash completely, see who they are by my grace. They are my workmanship, my masterpiece. And what I'm doing in that person's life, it's grace supreme. But when these disciples saw him, a fresh from the depths of their hearts. You imagine this is the one they thought they would never see again. He they saw him crucified upon a cross, but now they not only hear he's alive, they see he's alive. Oh dear child of God, what message can compare with the Christian message that has touched your heart and soul? Everybody's telling us about this psychology or this religion, but all their prophets are dead. We serve a living, glorious, victorious Savior who says, Oh, death, where is your sting? He says, By the way, I'm the first and the last. I'm the one who willingly became dead, but I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of hell and of death. We have the greatest of messages to present to a dying, lost world. Death has died, Christ is risen. And in the power of the resurrected Christ as they worship Him, that then leads them into the actual fact and act of mission. And based upon that, verse number 18, I'm not going to touch some doubted, I trust we've got no doubters here tonight. If you're doubting, please, dear friend, get on the mountain. Don't get it secondhand. Get it yourself from Christ as to who He is. But verse 18, based upon those realities, Jesus came and spoke to them saying, you see, this has been preparation in their lives. It's been building up to this all the way through. And now in his triumphant resurrection power, he comes and speaks to them and says, all power, all authority has given unto me, is given unto me in heaven and on earth. Who could doubt that statement? Who could question that statement? Even the Jewish leaders believed the tomb was empty and tried to make up a fake story to cover it. He's alive. You ask me how I know he lives? He lives within my heart. And the dying world needs to see a living Christ in you and in me. Because it's something they don't know how to deal with. He's alive. And he says, all authority, all power is given to me in heaven and on earth. Can I just remind you very quickly of a well-known Old Testament story found in 1 Samuel 17, David and Goliath. Here are these two armies facing each other across the valley of Elah. And here they are, the army of Israel, trembling in their boots. Who's fit to go and fight Goliath, this warrior who taunts them day after day after day? But suddenly the battle's won. And David, in the power of God, goes down into the valley and defies completely the taunts of this Philistine man in the name of the living God. And that's beautiful. I won't go there. It's all a wonderful picture of the cross. And suddenly, Goliath is dead. And the armies of Israel, trembling in their boots, are transformed by this incredible victory. And they chase after the armies of the Philistines, and destroyed completely. Why? In their own power, they were trembling and nothing. But suddenly, after the victory is won, they claim the victory in their lives. Dear child of God, our victory is won. We're not going out into the world to win a victory. The victory is already won. Who are you and I to win a victory for God? We are nothing. Let's face it, we tremble in our boots. We are nothing against the forces of darkness. But Christ has conquered. Death has died. Satan has been shown publicly at the cross. He's defeated. He's the stronger than the strong man. And he now comes to these disciples and he says, the victory's already won. You go and see my power at work in your lives wherever I send you. We have nothing to offer him. No ability to do anything for him. The whole basis of the Christian mission is seeing the power of Christ at work in this dying world. And why would he even call you and I Please, I'm not trying to tell you to go to India or Africa or wherever. Wherever God wants you to go, you go there. It may be right here in Cincinnati, but wherever you are, you have the ability to see this transforming, resurrected, triumphant power of Christ right at work in your life where you are because it's not about you and it's not about me. It's about Jesus Christ who shall gain the glory and the victory. And he says to them, all power is mine. Let's stand upon that mountain experience tonight. The power is his. Satan will taunt us. No, no, no. Christianity is dead. This country is triumph. We've thrown God out of society. No, 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 no. That's just Satan dabbling with your thoughts. Christ has triumphed. And it's now our opportunity to go out in the power of the risen, victorious Christ and see him claim his kingdom, which is rightfully his, and transform the hearts and lives of different people who are still in bondage and slavery to the enemy and in blindness. All authority is given unto me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore based upon this authority that you have seen and known. By the way, we probably won't get there, but in the book of Acts, so often the disciples said, we are witnesses of these things. We have seen this. Jesus Christ not only died, he rose again. And they present that message time and time again. And yet so often in my ministry, I fail to present the wonder of the resurrected power of Christ. He's alive. Now, isn't it interesting when he sends the disciples? He says, all nations. You see, God doesn't split people into groups or favor one against another. No. This risen, glorified Christ in all his power is conserved for the whole world. He wants all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. And that's true today of North America. We may have turned our back upon God, but his love is still shining on our backs. And there's a love in the heart of God that is inexplicable. And he is willing for people to claim to trash him and tread him underfoot that he doesn't even exist. But he says, when you come to your senses, I'm there with my open arms, ready to receive. How can you explain a God like that? All nations, go in the victory that I have won and see my power at work in your lives. Perhaps I'm speaking to someone tonight and just as I am, you're nothing. Please, whoever you may be, never lift a missionary and put them on a high pedestal. They're just a simple, humble servant that by incredible grace have been blessed to see God at work in a different part of the world to where they were born. But it's all of God, and his is the honor and the glory forever. Perhaps I need just to encourage somebody tonight. If I take you back to chapter 14 of Matthew, there's an incredible miracle where Christ feeds a multitude. But first, he says to the disciples, um, by the way, you give them something to eat because they come complain, Lord, these people are tired. Send them away into the villages. No, 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 no. Don't send them away. Christ is never in the avenue of sending people away. He says, you give them something to eat. What a test. You can say, Lord, us help. Here's wages? No, we only have five loaves and two fish. You see, that was nothing. From the disciples' point of view, that was their get-out clause. Lord, this is totally impossible. We just have five loaves, two fish. Forget. What did Christ say to them? And this speaks to my heart, and I trust it will speak to yours. He says, just bring them to me. Bring them to me. Christ just wants you and your heart. Yes, I am nothing. You are nothing. What could we ever achieve in this huge spiritual battle? He says, bring them to me. And suddenly what was absolute stupidity and insufficiency placed in the hand of Christ became totally sufficient to feed the multitude. What was the lesson? It's so clear, isn't it? You and I are nothing but anything that is placed in the hand of Christ is immediately sufficient, not based upon the item sufficiency, but based upon Christ's sufficiency to meet the need. And he is always sufficient. Because this is one, the one who fills all things and is all in all. You see, this is the one who takes the weak things of the world to confound the mighty, the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. Who did he select? Right there in Galilee, he selected, for example, in Matthew's gospel, four fishermen. Now, you want to transform the world, please. I'm not knocking fishermen. I was brought up on a farm, just a farmer. They're just as bad. You choose fishermen to transform the world? No, 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 no. He says, follow me. I will make you. Fishers of men. You see, Christ does the making. It's not us. He says, You just follow and I will do everything for you. What a freeing, incredible, releasing message we have to tell. It's not about you, it's about Christ at work in this world, somehow through your life and through mine. He says, You just follow. I'll do the making. Another beautiful verse. I shouldn't get distracted, but Matthew eleven twenty nine. he says, just take my yoke upon you. Lord, a yoke? I'm already burdened. No, 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 no. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. You just allow me to step day by day with you in your daily life and show you the way and give you the wisdom. And actually, by the way, I carry the burden you don't. You just come and walk alongside with me and see me at work in your situation day by day. What an incredible God. What amazing grace. Yes, it's better to come. But here in this broken world, you and I have the privilege of walking with the living God and seeing his power at work wherever he sends us. But perhaps just like those Israelite armies, I'm still trembling on my knees, forgetting the battle is already won. Dear child of God, we've not received the spirit of fear, 2 Timothy 1.7, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. Wow. But then you see... The whole mission is not just meeting with him on a mountain and worshipping him and being sent by him where he wants us to go. There is this incredible assurance in the mission. Because I'm going to miss out the the three. Well, let me just cover very quickly. He says specifically in this mission, you can't touch scripture, and I'll just mention a few things here. He says, make disciples, baptize them. And teach them. Now let's be very frank today. We have a huge problem with making disciples. It's great to see people baptized. And it's great to teach. But one of the questions that really troubles my heart when I stand before the judgment seat. Is number one. How many disciples did you allow me to make through your life? Because that's number one of the commission. Teaching, we love it, and I'm not belittling teaching. It's so, so important. But who do you teach? You have to teach disciples. And to be able to teach, there must be disciples first. And let me be very vulnerable here tonight. How do you make disciples in the West? That's my big, big big question at the moment. They just come to you in Africa. Here, how do you fish? By the way, don't be surprised. No fish ever wants to get caught. You've got to be committed with that rod. And it takes commitment. But he says, there's the pattern. Make disciples. And by the way, it's not in our ability. They did not make one disciple in their own ability as we're about to see in the book of Acts. This was a work of God. But can I just jump quickly to the fourth point here? He says at the end of this all, In verse number 20, he says this, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Meeting with Christ on the mountain, worshiping him, confident his power and ability. He says, by the way, blessing upon blessing, wherever you go, I'm with you every step of the way. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Apologies, there will be issues in missions. People will let you down. You'll feel forsaken. You'll go through the valley. You'll have struggles and problems. But there's one guarantee. If Christ has sent you there, he will never leave you. And he will always accomplish his purpose because he cannot fail. He is God. He says, I will build my church. I am with you always. Doesn't that fit beautifully with the Gospel of Matthew? How does chapter 1 start? He's Emmanuel. He's God with us. And right at the end of the Gospel, he says, yes, I'm still Emmanuel. I will never leave you. We have God with us and for us and in us. And he says, by the way, nothing can ever separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Hebrews 13, 5 says, I will never Leave you. I will never forsake you. And by the way, don't try and say never as a human being because you'll fall flat on your face. But only God can say never. And he always stands true to his promise. Now please, just quickly, let's come to the book of Acts. Stop and think how this felt for these disciples. Yes, they're on the mountain. Lord, all nations. We're just Galilean fishermen. We're untaught, unschooled people, whatever their background may be. How do we ever touch all nations? This is a huge barrier. How do they travel? How do they speak the language? How does all of this happen? But oh, dear child of God, in summary, very quickly, whenever God sends, he always provides the ability. When he commissions, he gives every ability to fulfill the commission because it's his commission, and it's his mission. It's not yours or mine. And it's not about your success or failure or mine. It's about him and his mission fulfilling his work. And by the way, we're all indispensable, just in case you get the wrong idea. He doesn't need any one of us, and he can work probably far better without us. But sometimes he allows to work in us so that we will see his hand at work in the world. If you want to study further, I believe here in in the end of Matthew's gospel, we have the mission laid out. But when you come to the book of Acts, you have the mission carried out. And how is that going to happen? How is this? absolute power of Christ going to be seen relatively day by day in the lives of these disciples who just a few days earlier, by the way, all forsook him and fled. We have a God who forgives and gets us over past failure. And just in case there's someone here tonight and you're feeling punched and knocked down by the enemy because of something you've done or you've said, don't ever underestimate the ability of God. He is always the God of the second chance. And tomorrow is a new day. Today is a new day. Let's not hang on to our failures of the past. Let's dip into the triumph of Christ for today. It's about him, not about you. And it's about his ability to work in your life and in mine. Very quickly, Acts chapter 1 and... I wanted to jump to verse 8. Can I just share quickly verse number 1? Acts 1 and verse 1 says this. The former account I made, O Theophilus, the Gospel of Luke, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. I can't pass over that one. You see, so many of us, we want to get up and teach. But one of our biggest issues in Christianity is we're hypocrites. And I'm sorry to put it that blunt. But I know my heart. And sometimes we shoot ourselves in the back. We present an incredible message, but we don't live it. And when you meet some of the people who are most bitter about Christianity, it's they've been stumbled by a so-called Christian who did not live out Christ. But here is the ultimate example. It's all that Jesus firstly began to do and to teach. Thanks, Steve, he presented Matthew 5 based upon all that he was doing at the end of Matthew 4. He sat down and taught them and they listened because they saw his outworking, his love in their daily lives, and it was irresistible. And when Christ somehow shows his love and greatness in your life, people are then willing to listen. But if they don't see Christ in my life, don't expect them to listen to me. They have to see it first before they're willing to listen. Verse number eight. But you shall receive power. What an assurance. He's met on the mountain and said, All power is given unto me. Go in all all the world and make disciples. Lord, how? You shall receive power. I don't only have all power, but that power is going to become in you, and fill you, and work through you. Can I just underline again, when God sends, he always provides the ability. You've just heard a story about two young people in the north of India, none of them qualified. And if I really want to humble you, why was I in education? I'm not a teacher. Why did I get involved in a mission hospital? I'm not a medical person. But when God sends a person, he will give if we're willing to be molded. By the way, he's the potter. We're just the clay. And if we're willing to be molded of him, he can make something out of your life and mine that will stand for his honor and praise for all eternity. Because he says, you shall receive power. It's not in and of ourselves. You shall receive power when... When the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And without taking tons of time, Acts chapter 2 is a watershed. But before you get to Acts chapter 2, what's happening in the rest of Acts chapter 1? For 10 days, if I read and decipher correctly, these disciples who are waiting for power, they're on their knees in the upper room. And can I just mention that this evening? You and I may never get to Tibet or northern India or North Korea or wherever it may be, Iran. But in prayer, we can touch the world. And you don't have to leave Cincinnati. Listen to them. They said, the greatest thing in Cairo and Egypt is what? Is to pray. Pray. And God wants to use every one of us, not just to witness, but first to pray. So the church proceeds on its knees. And when I read that section again recently, it hit me so forcefully. Because 10 days they're praying, and really if you read chapter 2, Peter's preaching for how long? 10 minutes. And how many times have I tried to preach for 10 days and pray for 10 minutes? You see, we've got it all back to front. It's the power, he says, all power is given unto me, and you will receive power. And there's power that comes through prayer. And by the way, I'm not here to criticize our government in America or whoever. I'm told to pray for them. 1 Timothy two one: pray for all men, for kings who are in authority. I'm glad I'm not President Biden or whoever else it is. They're one day accountable to God and they're facing huge things that are far greater than any human being in this world. We need to pray for them and to pray for this whole world that's in the lap of the wicked one. And when you pray, the Holy Spirit came, God's power was evident and suddenly Peter stands up before these whole crowd of people And presents the message of the gospel. Filled in the power of the Spirit. People are convicted by the power of the Spirit. And they are converted in the power of the Spirit. And suddenly 3,000 people are added that day. Right in Jerusalem where Jesus Christ was set at naught and crucified. 50 days later there's a miracle. And the church forms. You shall receive power. They saw it for themselves. I won't go into the details A miracle, not only filled with the Holy Spirit, but suddenly speaking right in people's languages and dialects, the wonders, the greatness of God. The impossible became possible because nothing is impossible with God. And suddenly the gospel is communicated in the language of the people. And I won't go down there, but that is so, so important in the heart language of the people. So you know what they're thinking. You know the challenges they're facing. And you can answer in their own heart language. And God made it happen. I'd love to know the gift of tongues was still here today, but it it doesn't seem to be. But suddenly, the commission is fulfilled. He says, make disciples. Did they make the disciples? No. They were just used of God to present the message. And God made the disciples. They baptized? Yes. Those who gladly received his word with great joy were baptized and they taught. And the teaching formed the fellowship, which was seen in the breaking of bread that was protected by prayer. And suddenly the church is being built. Dear child of God, that seemed impossible almost 2,000 years ago. And you and I may be thinking that's impossible today in the Western world. Can I just remind you? Nothing is impossible with God. He is still the same. He does not change. And he's still willing to meet with you and I on the mountain. Following our worship of him, he says, all authority and power is given unto me even in 2023. And I'm still with you always, even to the end of the age. God bless you. Thank you.
0: Thank you all for being here. And uh, just trust for a, a lovely evening. One that the Lord gives to you this evening as you reflect on what's been given to us tonight to feed upon. Tomorrow morning at 9.30 we come to worship the Lord. May our hearts be prepared and ready to have this mountaintop experience once again. And then the the Bible Hour will have Steve conclude our time of sharing. Thank you both men. Thank you, your dear wives, for being here. And God bless you both in the ministry that you have. Let's pray and dismiss. Thank you, Father, for... For such a day as this, thank you for giving us such wonderful information. But beyond that, motivation. And we thank you for once again refreshing our minds and hearts in the power of salvation. We are not ashamed of the gospel, it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes the Jew first, and also the Greek. Dear Lord, thank you for including me, for drawing me to salvation by the presentation of the gospel. And dear Lord, we believe that there are those that by your grace you can use us to draw to salvation for your glory and for your praise. Here in our midst at Northern Hills, Lord, we have those that are strangers to the grace of God. I would pray that they would receive the lord jesus christ as their savior we've been quite uh, quite open with you lord we would love to have three baptisms here this year may it be for your glory and for your praise uh, commit uh, commit the travel of uh, folks back home thank you for the ministry of uh, the folks that did the meal tonight and look forward to our time of Worship and praise and fellowship tomorrow. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.